Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Matthew Lee from Teo Gelato coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week, Linda Salinas, the Houston bartender and spirit nerd extraordinaire. Linda, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. What's up? You are fired up today. I am. I had an awesome weekend. All right. We're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. But first, I want to start off with topic number one, In-N-Out Burger, the cult California chain has big plans for Houston. They already announced that they're coming to a mixed use development in Stafford. And then last week it came out that they are opening in Katy. Uh, Linda, I have a, I have an extended rant about this that I've been waiting to deliver for like a week. But before I do that, let me just ask you, are you an in and out fan? No. And, why why and, not? Well, and first off, who cares? They're not even in proper Houston. Don't tell me that you're going to bring an in and out and you're going to put it in Stafford and Katie. No, ma'am. No, that's not proper Houston. If you're going to come to Houston, come, come, come run with us. Okay. Well, first of all, they tried to, uh-huh, right? They, they bought a piece of property on Westheimer uh-huh, a year ago uh-huh. and then they didn't notice that the tenant had a really long lease and that it would be really expensive to kick them out. Well, so they have plans to be in Houston proper, but by the way, Saza, <laughs> by the way, rant part one, Houston's really freaking big. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but Clear Lake is part of the Houston city limits. Kingwood is part of the Houston city limits. Like you can live in Houston, like within the city limits of Houston. And it would be much closer for you to drive to either Katie or especially Stafford. Like if you live like in Montrose where I do, or, or near the Galleria where the Gal media offices are. Stafford is not that far away. Stafford is one exit past the Beltway look, on 59. Look, I don't, look, you're not, so, you're not, no. So, no. we need to expand our definition of what constitutes Houston, and I have little patience for people on social media who are like, you can't use the word Houston in a headline because that's not Houston. It's fucking Houston. It's all fucking Houston. People just need to get over themselves. So, that is rant topic number one. Okay. Well, regardless, if you're not within... You're, you really haven't come to Houston. They're working on it. Okay. So don't tell me that it's like, yeah, they're really, they're aggressively trying to come to Houston. Yeah, they're going to, like, it's different because, I mean, in all honesty, like, you know who really makes it? People that really make it is when you make it inside of the loop, you know? Like, and, and, and people go out to turn into franchises right shake shack for example came to proper houston galleria Bam, rice baby. village yeah that mantra boy. store is going up real fast exactly there's a rumor that they're building they're looking for property in the heights i don't know i don't know if it's true or not i'm just saying i people keep telling me they're going to build in a shake shack in the heights well but we but, but they're that's coming to, they're coming to houston houston okay, in a major but, way but that's but that's what i'm saying you can't sit here and say oh yeah they're coming to houston you know who really you know who Cute little burgers that does really well in Houston at Shake Shack. They they came. I mean, you just said it. Yeah, no, but, I agree with you. But so don't tell me that In and Out is is coming. No, you're not coming until right. the proper. Have you have you eaten at In and Out Burger? I have. 
It's good. It's good. It's fine. It's a, it's a good fast food burger. Yeah, it's a good fast food burger. But, I mean, I think it's better. I don't think it's any better than Shake Shack. Well, Shake Shack is twice as much money. Okay, and? Well, but that's but, 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 that's, but apples but to apples, right? Like somebody on Facebook was like, I like the burger Killen's SDQ better. Buddy, that burger is $17 with French fries. Absolutely. If the burger at Killen's STQ is not better than a 350 double double at Shake Shack, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. And Ronnie Killen should fire Teddy Lopez immediately, which he will not do because Teddy Lopez is awesome at his job. And that burger is maybe my favorite burger in Houston, but it has no comparison to what I can get from a drive thru. All right. So that's, well. that's rant part two. Okay. And then rant part three are the people who are like, oh, look, Whataburger better. Listen, no one is coming to you in the Whataburger drive-thru at gunpoint and kidnapping you and dragging you in and out. You get to make that choice every day. And you know where people make that choice? Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio, where In-N-Out already is and Whataburger is. And they ex- peacefully coexist. And sometimes you can get in the Whataburger drive-thru and have taquitos or sausage biscuits or whatever it is that makes you happy. And sometimes you can go to, you can go to In-N-Out and have a double-double, and a Neapolitan shake because those two things are actually really delicious, and I'm glad that they're coming to Houston. Eh, all right. I'm over it already. All right. <laughs> topic number two. Uh, topic number two, and I, I don't want to dwell on this for too long, but there's a new location of Pizarro's Pizza. Oh. They have successfully moved from their original location at uh, Memorial Drive in Kirkwood to a new location on I-10, this is good news if you are a Memorial Area resident who either already likes Pizarro's or hasn't been to Pizarro's because now they can serve the same menu that they do in the Montrose location. They have the deck oven so they can do the New York style pie and the Detroit style pie and they still have the imported Italian oven with the wood-burning pizza for the Neapolitan pie. Linda, you are a Pizarro's fan. I am. I absolutely am. This is good news. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been wanting to see them grow from that that little strip center into another, another. I'm sure, another location. I mean, I haven't been to the new one, but... Um, yeah, it looks a lot like the Montrose location. It's shaped a little differently, but it's, you know, they don't really do uh, design. It's yeah. not really a big part of the Pizarro's experience. They just make really good pizza. So this has, like, the, the original location had, like, negative design. Yeah. This has a little bit more, like as much as the Montrose location has. So that's all to the good. Well, and then the pizza's really good. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Um, there's so many there's I see so many restaurants that are like, I want a restaurant. I want to open it. And they either fail at design or they fail at food or they fail at knowing where their freaking guests comes from. You know, and I've always I've always enjoyed Pizarro's because their food is really good. Yeah, their food is good, and they are really nice. They are they're they're hospitable, and you cannot live, you cannot, you cannot make it out in Memorial if you are not hospitable. No, like, you can you can fade no design. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you cannot fade mean to people, yeah. except in Chinatown. It's yeah. okay in Chinatown. But that's not Memorial. No, that's not Memorial. Absolutely. All right. Uh, So, yeah. Topic number three. I'm going to steal a little bit from Houston Food Finder. They have reported that the fifth concept for Bravery Chef Hall will belong to Richard Knight, who is working on a diner concept. 
Linda, I uh, we know Richard Knight. We know him from Feast. We know him from Hunky Dory. He was very briefly at Harold's in the Heights. It didn't work out. Uh, I'm just happy to have Richard back in the world of Houston restaurants, even if it's at a food hall. Um, he's a monster. Like he's he he makes delicious food. You know. Um, I'm interested to see what exactly his spin is because it is going to be a diner style. That's food? what they're that's what they're saying. Yeah, and I, I haven't mean, seen a menu or anything. But. Look, I you know I I love the I love the people over at, at local, but they they just did themselves no good with opening up a freaking diner and then immediately chopping off you know, diner breakfast items from their menu immediately, you know? Yeah. I, that restaurant is, this is, this is off topic, but, but just that restaurant, the classic has a, has a little bit of a conundrum, I think, because there's people, when you tell them that the food is going to be quote unquote classic, they have certain expectations for what that is going to be. And when you tell them it's a modern diner, they have certain expectations for what that's going to be. And if the food doesn't meet those expectations, it's a hard sell. So it's a good lesson for Richard as he prepares to open this diner at the chef hall. Like you got to have, you know, pancakes and eggs. You got to have a burger. You got to have, you got to have all the the basic stuff and it's got to be a pretty traditional version of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I mean, I've said, I've said this from the beginning breakfast things are always, are always the hardest, you know, um, breakfast is, is just, no, I wouldn't just say breakfast. It's just breakfast style things, you know, eggs, pancakes, any of that stuff. Like, um, I don't think it's a hard sell, but execution and staying true to, true to concept is, um, is tough, you right. know? And admittedly a diner in a chef, in a food hall that has like a 30 story apartment building above it that gives you at least a market for breakfast, right? People can come in, they can get something on their way to work or whatever. I, I, so that part feels okay to me. I mean, I think that, you know, and it's not even about, I don't necessarily think that it's about breakfast foods, but I really do think that it's uh, a lot of it has to do about what, what does that really mean conceptually to that, to that chef or to that, you know, the, the, the people that are running, running the show. Like, so you're saying I have to have Richard on the podcast. Ask him I mean, I think that that should be a good, you know, uh, <laughs> duh. <laughs> uh, and then just the one other thing I want to note is that this, this gives bravery chef hall quite a lineup of heavy hitters, right? Cause you've got Ben McPherson's Italian concept. You've got Christine Haas Vietnamese concept. You've got a steakhouse from Felix Flores and Jess Timmons. You've got Peruvian food from David Guerrero of Andy's Cafe. I mean, some serious talent that's going into this thing. I mean, but but I mean, let's talk about the other food hall, um, Conservatory. Conservatory has no fancy chefs, and they crush. So I mean, like let's let's look at that. I mean, let's hope that it's not you know a thirty eight dollar you know thirty eight dollar ticket for you know, one person, you know, I hope that it isn't, you know, like sometimes having those expensive, you know, I wouldn't say expensive, all of that talent, it has to get paid for. And I mean, the reason why conservatory hall has done so well is because it is, you can go at any time 
whether it be at 10 o'clock in the morning or at midnight, they're just cranking. They're just cranking and working, right? Um, I go there. That's one of my favorite bowls of pho at, you know, 11 p.m. And you know what? It's here's your food. Here's your soup. Do you want quail eggs with that? Get out of here. Right. You know? and, and in fact, when they opened it, they had melange creperie there. Yeah. And it was kind of hit or miss. I yeah. mean, because then that was just about high profile and uh, a concept is, could be connected to it. Yeah. I mean, but um, I think that I love food halls. You know, I love the food halls in New York. You know, I love um, there's that. I think that there's if you run it correctly and if you run it correctly and the talent, it, it gets managed appropriately you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to be too expensive or anything like that. I think that there's just there's I mean, there's just a, a lot of a lot of talent. And I want to know how that trickles down to am I going to be going there once a week, you know, or once a month? Or am I going to be there every other freaking day? You know, right. And the nice thing about bravery specifically is that it has the same owners as conservatory. So they are trying to kind of curate two different experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. with the two different properties. But but when I'm thinking about, you know, Finn Hall that's come in or understory or lyric market, you know, I, you know, especially at dinner, right? I like conservatory at lunch. I don't always feel like I have good choices at dinner there, but bravery, like bravery feels like a dinner destination, right? Yeah. Like give me, give me a, Giant ribeye from Felix Flores or a yeah a bowl of pasta from Ben McPherson yeah and I mean and I mean I think I, we have we have, we also have different experiences because I get out of work you know whether it be at you know at one of the bars or an event that I'm doing I get out of work at like 10, 10 p.m. sometimes on the early you know and I'm like starving and I've I've been shaking cocktails or I've been batching or I've been running like a crazy person, you know, um, doing whatever. But I get out of work at 9.30, 10.30, and I am, like, I'm ready to eat a cow, you know. But there's nowhere to eat, and I don't necessarily go to In-N-Out or Whataburger, you know, for my $3.50 burger. So I'm, I'm glad to, we have these options coming. Absolutely. All right. Topic number four, as you said you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend because we both went to Butcher's Ball now in its third year. Uh, what and, a, it, and it wasn't just us. It was yeah. like a thousand people drove out to Brenham to hang out in beautiful weather and eat really delicious food. It was a wrecking machine. It was it was a monster. Yeah, you're not like, I don't know that that event happens without you specifically because you play a pretty big role in, in all the dranks. All the drinks that people were slurping down there. Uh, well, that's man. That takes a team. That takes a, an amazing team. There's no way. There's no way. But I mean, um, so the drinks were cur- curated uh, by Alba Huerta of Jewel Up, a dear friend of mine, um, friend of the show, former podcast guest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that. You know, like it was her drinks, her development. Um, execution. Um, we did the ju- I did the juices with uh, teamed up with Grit Groceries, one of my clients, um, and I do drink development for them, and I do some recipes. And so, but we worked on that. Um, do you know what forty five gallons of juice looks like? And five of them is red bell pepper juice. 
No. It looks like a fountain. I mean, a, a ocean of crazy colors. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, at one point, we were loading and we were trying to get, you know, trying to crank out drinks. And I'm like, do not drop that bucket of beet juice. It's going to ruin you and everyone else. You know, it was crazy. I did a... I did an orange and beet mimosa for the for the morning. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was crazy. All right, so I know you were you were serving drinks to people. Did you get to eat it all? Um, I think I ate a couple of things. Did you have a favorite <laughs> bite? Uh, I had a couple of different bites. Uh, FM Kitchen. Yeah, that slider that Ryan Hildebrand did with yes. the pork on top. That was great. Yes, uh, Fijus. The uh, pork belly glazed, the glazed pork belly. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorites. Yep. Um, the did you try the the La Lucha roasted oyster with frozen margarita on top? Uh, I dialed in that frozen margarita. Thank you. Well, thank you for doing that because it was very delicious. Yeah, Bobby Matos uh, came through, and I was like, well, of course, you know, we're we're setting up, um, we're running around, and I I peeked through to get refreshments for you know the back of the house so there was um cake and bacon and uh and somebody else was doing some sort of thing basically i walked to the back of the tents and there was um three uh three people making tortillas by hand and they're just like crushing like these this cute little hispanic families just crushing tortillas and i was like so in Spanish, I'm like, hey, do you guys need anything to drink? They're like, we'll take anything. I was like, I got you. So I went, grabbed mimosas, dropped them off. And then, of course, there's a sea of people like, you know, doing barbecue things and so on and so forth. And I walked over to Bobby. I was like, Bobby, what's going on here? Oh, frozen machine. Let me see what's in here. And he's like, we, we did the recipe. I was like, whose recipe? And he's like, no, 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 no. I think we did it right. And so we go and we... I t- took a couple of sips and I was like, let me fix this. So I went, gr- I went, grabbed some juice, came back, reloaded the machine. Uh, Graham Laborde was next to him and he's like, dang it, Linda, I was trying to sabotage him. Why did you have to fix his frozen? Uh, so it was a little, little uh, rivalry. They're, they're, they're great guys. Um, yeah, they're, they're very good friends. They are. Uh, I will say uh, the Golden Cleaver for the Best Buy it went to Tony Lerman of the El Topo food truck, uh, someone I've talked about on the show a couple of times. He did like a, a old school barbacoa, handmade corn tortillas, and a, and a really great salsa. Uh, that was that was who I gave my little wooden token to. Uh, no disrespect to any of the other competitors, and I didn't I didn't come close to remotely trying everything, but yeah, that's a really good event uh, with really good food and, and a lovely atmosphere. A lot of talent from Houston participates in that event. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know they're all friends of yours, so I'm just going to do this little part uh, by myself and you don't have to say anything. Uh, there are two major things for the fourth annual Butcher's Bowl that I would like them to consider. Uh, one, more water or non-alcoholic beverage options because there just, there wasn't a lot of that and I didn't know where to find it other than the, like the little Tobo Chico stand. Like I just want, it was. It wasn't hot, but I wanted non boozy because I'm driving home, right? I I need non boozy beverage options, and just more trash cans, like infinitely more. It was hard to find a trash can. They were filling up fast. That's that's not good. Uh, other than that, great time. 
a lot of fun stuff going on at Butcher's Ball, and uh, I will definitely go back for year four. Awesome. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Linda, for our restaurants of the week, uh, I want to talk about a meal we had together. And oh, then, God. And then I'm going to talk about a meal uh, that you did not join me for, but, but a restaurant I want to talk about. So first, let's start with La Fisheria, the Mexican seafood restaurant downtown. They took in uh, like four feet of water during Harvey. They closed for seven or eight months. They reopened uh, at the beginning of the summer, uh, and they invited me and I invited you to come back in and kind of see what they were up to. We had, I'd say, sort of highs and lows. Why don't we start with, tell me, tell me two things that you liked about your meal at La Fisheria. Dead air, that's a long silence. I'm just thinking about everything that we had. We literally had... We had about a... We had like seven or eight things. We had seven or eight things for a three course. We had really good. We had a really good spicy shrimp dish. Oh, great spicy shrimp dish. Uh, ceviche was good. Um, that that uh, Wheel of Coche tamal yeah. was killer. Yeah. Like maybe the best thing we had. Yeah. Um, I really like that octopus. Oh, yeah. And the like the olive oil, like the braised octopus and the Yeah. It was, olive I mean, oil. they had really, I, honestly, the food there, there's serious talent in that kitchen, but they are completely mismanaged that location. Yeah. It, so we went. At 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Yeah. But wasn't there, were the Astros, yeah, the Astros were played. Yeah. Who cares? Well, I mean, a lot of people do. I, I mean, mean, no, 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 no. I mean, you can have, you can have an empty restaurant. And still make it feel welcoming. It was like I was at the gynecologist office. It was so freaking bright. So freaking bright. It was very bright. They need to turn the lights down a little bit. A little bit? Are you kidding me? I was like, oh my gato. It was so freaking bright. And I was like, hey, uh, can I was like, do you have a by the glass list? Yeah, we change it every day. What does that mean? Why is there not right. a list? We have, we have a red and a white and a rosé, but they don't list what they are. They don't, And so they have to go and figure out what the by the glass is. Um, and the cocktail menu was a bunch of like, like honestly, like... It's too long. It's too, too many choices. Too many choices. And most of them are like terrible drinks from the 90s right spirits with with made with spirits that you don't want to drink i mean it was like mexican pina colada what does that even mean you know a, a, a long island iced, iced tea where am i i'm like the only place it's okay to order a long island is the frozen at the marquee too yeah okay yeah that's, that's it that's, that's the, the only, only one in houston you're allowed to order yeah, yeah yeah i mean unless you're really trying to get sauced Saucy, you know, um, but no, I mean, the cocktail menu was just like really weird. And then you looked at the actual wine list and there was actually really very, very well, like very well priced and very interesting selections. Yeah. Right? Like they had, they had a, they had a really cool, uh, Mexican wine that I really wanted to like know more about. And I was like, 
yo, I was like, I want to check that out. And they're like, oh, sorry. You know, like. Right, bottle only. Bottle only. Which I was not in the mood for. No, I mean, the thing is, is that you have to consider everything. Where is, I mean, and the pricing, the pricing was like Hugo's pricing. Like, we did not, we didn't have to pay for it. Uh, right. We were, we were invited by the restaurant yeah. and we tipped generously, but we did not pay for it. Yeah. We didn't pay for it, but all of the, the whole, everything was very, was expensive. It wasn't, I would not say that it's very expensive. It's, I think it's expensive for that neighborhood, you know, right, right, right on the right off the right off of market square competing with, you know, Barnaby's and hearsay and yeah. And I mean, if you look at all that pricing over there, you know, you probably, you'll probably get out of any one of those restaurants, um, with a twenty-five to thirty-five dollar per person with drinks, with right, food, you get a cocktail and, and a co- you know, yeah. and so on and so forth. But you know, if you're gonna go over to La Fisheria, like you've really got to step up your game, and that means lighting, music, uh, menus done correctly, you know, all that stuff. Like if you're gonna be at that price point, you better come with your A game and. I like the food was really good. The chef came out. Um, he was super nervous. He was super nervous and was really and was really like thoughtful in his plating. The food was really the food was very good. Right. I would but go back for the food. I would go back for the food, but like I'm sorry, it's not these days. You don't come to town with just food, you know, unless I mean, unless it's really real, unless it's cheap. Yeah. Right. Well, and this I mean. Is, it's right, just, price point sets certain expectations for yeah. service and atmosphere, and yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, anyways, I mean, it was it was. A, I mean, I really hope that they figure it out. Um, hopefully, they they bring some p- people in for their happy hour, and but I mean, it was it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then just briefly, I just want to talk about Georgia James Chris Shepard's new steakhouse. Uh, obviously inspired by One Fifth Steak, which is a restaurant I really enjoyed. I was very excited about going to Georgia James. I rounded up uh, three dudes who like to eat. We ordered pretty heavy. We had a very good dinner at Georgia James. That uh, that 44 Farms long bone ribeye that they're doing dry aged. Uh, I guess it was intended to be like a 50, 60 day dry age, but they were a little delayed in opening. So the current batch is at like 100 or maybe even a little more. And my worry with that always is that it stops tasting like beef. Uh, but this was really good. It, it had a little bit of that blue cheese funk, but just like just a little bit. It still really tasted like beef. It was cooked beautifully. Uh, starters, always a winner. Uh, uni panna cotta, so glad that's back in my life. How, ser- how was service? Service, a uh, little bit of a work in progress, just in terms of the like checking on the table and bringing refills and just little things, just the little things yeah. that, that they will polish. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, I think, uh, you know, and, and I, and I know the kitchen is still working some things out cause I, I heard them buy the dinner at the table next to us cause they, they sent them out a cold steak and I guess they, even the second time it wasn't quite right. So they just, they comp their meal, which, which always stings a little bit, but is kind of inevitable for a new restaurant. But, I mean, we we're, we go through that. We're, we go we go through those sorts of things at, at Jonathan's, you know. But I mean, if you you can always recover, uh, you can't always recover a table. But 
Um, that's those sorts of things. Like they happen, you know, um, we are humans in service. We, we just do. But if you're willing to say, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, like let's move forward, you know? Yeah. And the people seem to take it fairly well given the circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, a lot of great steakhouses in Houston, a lot of good choices, but put this on the list for me as an option for something a little bit different. Not like, not as traditional as a Pappas Brothers or Vic and Anthony, more like a little from left field, like a little like a Dory Metropolitan or something like that. Um, but yeah, I would go back and I would go back for that Zabaton, which is this Wagyu cut that they're doing for a marble ranch uh, from the Chuck. And it's as close as they're going to get to a filet. Chris said he won't put a filet on the menu, but this is a, uh, this is like a Chuck from the Chuck. So it's got, it's tender like a filet, but it's still got a really good beefy flavor. And it's like somewhere in that 45 to 50 range, which makes it one of the least expensive steaks on the menu, but still really flavorful and, and very tasty. So that's my quick hit on Georgia James. And of course, I wrote about it for the monthly Where to Eat Now column, and that's on Culture Map. And I'll link to that for in the article that accompanies this podcast for anyone who hasn't read it yet. Um, but Linda, before you go, what's... Uh, what are you working on? How's how's life at Jonathan's The Rub in Memorial? Jonathan's The Rub is really good. Um, I'm about to be out of there soon. Yeah. Um, on to the next thing. On to the next thing. Uh, I'm I pro- I'm probably going to be working on a on a new on a new program, and you'll have to stay tuned for that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, in all honesty, man, um, these holidays are starting to pick up. Um, holidays are starting to pick up. I've got. A couple of yeah, um, you do you do private bartending gigs for parties. So tell people what the website is, and then then we'll get out of here. It's justdrinks.org, and you can get a hold of me. And um, I do events, and I specialize in classic cocktails and fresh juices. Awesome, Linda. Thanks for being here. Thanks. I'll be right back with Matthew Lee. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. I'm joined this week by Matthew Lee, the owner of Teo Gelato. Matthew, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I always like to start at the beginning with these interviews. How did you decide to enter the gelato business? <laughs> I know it's a, it's, a, it's a simple question with a long answer, but we got time. You know, it's really funny, but um, I grew up eating ice cream all my life. And um, I loved it. And I, um, I was visiting my brother in Italy, Florence, Italy. He lived there. And I found myself eating gelato four times a day. And I was thinking to myself, how, could, how can I be eating it four times a day and not feel dis- disgusted by all the fat and sugar and how heavy some American ice cream can be? And I found out why. And so I went back to start my um, uh, move back to Austin um, and work for a company and uh, high tech, another startup high tech company. And in the back of my mind, I was like, God, that gelato was so good. Um, and uh, they really know how to do it. So I basically went to go work for the startup and that company um, went defunct. And so I worked for another one. And I was working at this other one, and it was kind of the same trend. Um, and I said, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm, I love this gelato. 
Um, no one's really making it here in America. And so I'm going to go back to uh, Florence, Italy and learn how to make it. And so um, I told my wife after I quit my nice six-figure salary um, and said uh, well, she was holding our youngest, who was a month old, that I've quit my job and I'm going to open up a, a gelato coffee shop. And to say that she was speechless was an understatement. Um, but here we are 16 years later. My daughter is driving and uh, get ready to go to college, and we've had great success. Yeah, and you're going you're gonna to pay her tuition with gelato money. <laughs> so much better than tech money. You know, it's amazing how much trade can be done with gelato, and especially when you have good gelato. So you said you discovered why you could eat gelato four times a day and you couldn't eat ice cream four times a day. What, what was the explanation? What was the reason for that? Less fat, less air, more flavor. So basically, if you think about, you know, ice cream has got a lot of cream in it. Premium ice cream has at least probably 14 to 18% butter fat. Um, and so that makes it really heavy and it's really hard for people to digest and kind of coats everything. And because of the fat, you have to add more sugar or more ingredients to overcompensate for the fat. Kind of like you put too much butter on a baked potato, then you have to throw chives and cheese and everything else in it. So with gelato, it's just the right ratio. There's a lot of math involved in, in gelato. So there's the right amount of, of milk and cream and ingredients so that's all balanced. And then it's not whipped as much without all that air whipped into it. So it's denser. And because it's denser, it actually comes out creamier. Um, and the flavors come out um, stronger. Okay, so, so, so if premium ice cream is 14 to 18% butter fat, what's gelato? Well, in America, which is different from Europe, because the FDA rules like that, we, we have a guideline, I have a guideline of 7 to 8% butter fat. Okay. And so uh, then you have sorbettos, which are dairy-free, so they're fat-free. Um, but to have the right balance for the gelato in European, um, the EU market, uh, milk is whole milk is three and a half percent fat where U S is around four cream is around 35% there. We're here. It's about 40. So the calculations for mat, you know, fat and milk and cream and sugar, and they use beet sugar. So it's a little different. Um, and so there's a lot of trial and error. So, I mean, we can say that there's maybe not a lot of gelato, at least in your assessment, 16 years ago, but there is a lot of ice cream. There's a lot of frozen treats. I mean, 16 years ago, I mean, you're probably competing against like TCBY and stuff. Yo, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, podcasts were just a, a thought in people's minds, but... Um, you know, a, a, the, the, uh, the podcast 16 years ago was taping a radio show to get that one song so that you could make a mixtape with it. <laughs> That's, that, was, that was the closest thing we had to podcasting 16 years ago. It's, it's amazing what's happened um, in all these years. But, uh, yeah, our competition was uh, TCBY, um, still, you know, the big players um, and what everybody was used to, and the scoop shops. Um, and so, but unfortunately, what I saw happening, and I decided to go for it, was a trend of uh, inferior product. Um, fatty, uh, high fructose corn syrup, sweet, sugary, um, inferior ingredients. Um, and so I decided, you know, it's such a great pleasure and it's such a simple thing, but it can be so good. 
Um, I'm just going to go back to the basics. And um, so that's why I went to Italy to learn how to make the gelato because they're the ones that invented it in the 1500s by Bontalenti, uh, which is actually a treat for uh, a, a wedding present for Catherine de' Medici who married the King Louis. Um, and how they made it back then, things have changed so much, is it was just cream and honey. They didn't have refined sugar back then. So it was mostly cream and honey, and that was the beginning of gelato back in the 1500s. But you're not making it with honey. No, we're not making it with honey. We, we use pure cane sugar. Okay. Um, so then how do you, so then how did you kind of grow this? Because, I mean, the, you know, you're, you're not just Blood, Austin, sweat, and tears. You're not just a... Seven days a week, 363. I took off Christmas and Thanksgiving sometimes. Good. Yeah, because you're not just a, an Austin gelato shop. Otherwise, you wouldn't, there would be no point in you being here if you were. You guys are, are in H-E-B. Yeah, so we, we uh, to kind of fast forward a lot, uh, we won all these awards, and H-E-B came to me and said, hey, have you thought about being in H-E-B before? And so they put us in the stores uh, in Austin, and we're one of the top grossing and selling items in their store. I think the first week, I not, don't think I know, I was told this by the, <laughs> the store guy, the store head, head honcho. He said, the only thing that beats you this week in the middle of the summer was ice. We outsold beer, wine, liquor, everything in that store. So, yeah, you are one of the, I'm going to screw this up. You're one of their Texas picks, right? The yeah, Quest for Quest Texas, for Texas best. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, we we won the grand champion. Uh, we, we entered that. And there were about 500 contestants for best ingredients from gluten-free, um, you know, hamburger buns all the way to jerky, to salsas. There's to, a surprising number of spice mixes and spice blends. Yes, and so we had barbecue sauce. We competed against everybody. The guy who came in second was uh, uh, the uh, vanilla wafer guy, nice guy. And so we won the the whole shooting match. Um, so we were the top pick, and um, it's been great working with HTB. So let's talk about flavors a little bit because you do my fun. I, I love this part because if we didn't have it, I would actually ask Adam to start. We, can, we make our own bay. So, so, okay, here's the deal. The whole thing is based on making your base. So if anybody doesn't make their base, they have their base made for them. That's kind of like, you know, ordering in and then throwing some fresh cherries or tomatoes It's like taking the, the roasted supermarket chicken and, yeah, and claiming uh, it and carving it and claiming it as your own? You got it. Okay. You got it. So we make our own base. And that we control the fats and the sugars, and we can add ingredients. We can add real vanilla bean seeds, and and we can add all these different ingredients to it. And that is what is really the base. It's kind of like when you make a a sauce, you have a veal stock. A saucier will always tell you the most important thing is the stock. When you start with a good veal stock, then you can make all kinds of great sauces. So you're you're not (laughs) so in that analogy. You're not you're not buying the chicken soup broth from the grocery <laughs> no, store. No, shelf. no, 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 not at all. And then uh, the other funny part about it is that you know it, it's really so. The key is making your own base. We make our own chocolate base. We make our own uh, sorbetto base. We make our own basic white base, and we can adjust the base on fats and sugars based on the ingredients we're going to use, like a peanut butter or a chocolate or a vanilla or a salty caramel things like that. So then, what would you say are the most like the two or three most popular? flavors it is different in houston than it is in austin and it's different in san antonio than it is in austin houston so i would say uh you know goat cheese and cherry here in houston is actually pretty popular it's pretty sporty of us i would say that's like pretty adventurous yeah and along with cookies and cream 
which is like the most classic thing ever. Right. So you've got, uh, and then we have the coffee cookies and cream. That I think that's, you tasted me through a bunch of these several weeks ago. That was my personal favorite. Yeah, that's, that's everybody's personal favorite. That's, that's our, uh, one of our top sellers. And then uh, the salted caramel. Um, it, you know, we have stores in Houston and in Austin that we can't keep salted caramel in stock. And then we go across town and we can't give it away. You know, everybody wants something different. So it's like the classic flavors are popular in one store, but they're not at the other. Um, so when you ask me, you know, what, what is, are the more popular flavors, it really depends on who we're serving it to um, and what people are looking for. Um, you know, the vanilla, be- I mean, people ask me all the time what my favorite flavor is. And it's like, well, who's your favorite child? Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> what have they done for you lately? I think is the yeah. is the usual answer to that. So who brought home a good report card? <laughs> exactly. And so um, you know, it, it, but what's fun is that we we are constantly inventing new flavors and creating new flavors and putting them out there. Uh, we just delivered around three thousand pounds of gelato, believe it or not, to Formula One in Austin. Um, these guys come in, it's a traveling circus and they come into Austin. And so I happen to know, gotten to know the, uh, the catering company that manages all this stuff. So basically Lewis Hamilton was eating our gelato all the way to Bernard Ecclestone to all these different people, the VIPs that were there, um, and all the broadcasters. It's, it's, it's a wild, it, it's, it's amazing. They come and they go. Yeah. So how do you come up with ideas for new flavors? Cause I mean, they're, it seems you know, like it, there's kind of. There's a certain expectation, right? There's, you know, I want pistachio, I want strawberry, I want chocolate, I want whatever. So, uh, well, we created a new flavor uh, by accident on Thursday. Um, And that was yogurt and nuts. um, Because I was combining, I was making pistachio. uh, Thought it was white base, but turned out to be our yogurt that we were were, uh, making. Um, So we made that one by accident. But a lot of times it's by accident. The peanut butter and Nutella is, or the Italian peanut butter cup was an accident one time because I grabbed a spoon to get the uh, peanut butter out of the machine and the spoon had Nutella on it. And I'm like, wait a second. That's just like the old classic. Right. You got your chocolate, you got your chocolate in the peanut butter. Right. And then we. To steal a line from. Yeah. Stop mine. So that, and then another one is uh, my wife was furious with me, absolutely furious with me. And we were in bed, and she had a uh, uh, a bowl of our uh, vanilla, and she had a jar of peanut butter and a jar of Nutella. And she would take the spoon, and she's a condiment queen. She loves condiments on everything. But anyway, so she took the spoon, she dipped a little bit in peanut butter, a little bit in Nutella, and then she got a spoonful of vanilla. And I looked at it, I'm like, that's genius. That's a great flavor. And she looked at me and she said, you cannot use this flavor. This is, do not do that. So, of course, I made a new flavor called Miyamori. And so <laughs> that is what Miyamori is, is our white base with peanut butter and chocolate swirled into it. And the irony of all that is when you taste the peanut butter in Miyamori, it actually tastes sweet or caramely. And it has no sugar in it. It's just peanut butter and salt. But for some reason or another, it's sweet. I don't know how it is. And so, okay, so flavors that work. Are there flavors that you have tried that just don't work or that you you were really excited about and the public was like, no? Uh, yeah, there always are, but we make it eggs and bacon. 
you 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 made it and you sold it, or you made it and you threw it out because that was terrible. We made it, and it's a uh, bleeding edge. Uh, you know the funky flavor uh, quest people, but it is, is interesting because uh, if you think about it, how do you make bacon and eggs? Uh, you actually make a custard base gelato with egg yolks in it, so that's the eggs, and then you can infuse the bacon into it, and so that makes it bacon and eggs. So it's basically a vanilla or a white base of custard with pieces of bacon that's already been cooked, chopped up in the gelato. So it could be like, you know. Yeah, I guess I would just be worried that it's greasy tasting or. No, because what you do is you take the bacon out and you cook it, but you, you cook it in such a way that you, you, know, you also take off the grease and you cut it up and you can also uh, brown it and sugar and add a little caramel to it. And then you can throw it in the gelato. So it's an egg-based, egg uh, a custard-based gelato. And then you have pieces of bacon in there. Uh, all right. Okay. And you know, people okay. people are bonkers. Some people are bonkers for bacon. Yeah, yeah. I am, I am not one of those bacon makes everything better people. I think that bacon, there are things that bacon definitely makes better. And then there are definitely things I do not want bacon or eggs on. Yep. But, you know, we've also made a, a, a lot of like a, a pesto gelato. No. Um, and the funny thing about avocado is like it's it's a it's a funky f- uh, flavor and people try it. But what we find in our shop is that people are like, oh, that's really interesting, cool. Can I have the chocolate and you know, half chocolate, half strawberry, or something like that? So it's like a sampling. It's kind of like the trial, you know, different period. Um, you know, I, there's oh, I, there was one flavor I was asked to make and it, I just couldn't make it, and that's the only flavor I've ever been able to make that didn't work out, and that was a Jolly Rancher flavor. Because they wanted Jolly Ranchers at their wedding, and so they asked me to make a flavor of Jolly Rancher, and I just couldn't get the Jolly Ranchers to work because they just get so hard so quick. Yeah, they get they get caught in the machine. Everything, and then just the flavor didn't come through. It was supposed to be watermelon, and you know we make a great watermelon sorbetto, but you know we couldn't make it with the Jolly Rancher. And then you guys, you won some crazy international gelato prize, right? Yeah, we we. Um, We've been really fortunate. Um, I think uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat and tears, um, perseverance, and uh, we've been uh, awarded best in Austin and um, uh, best in you know top ten in America and all this different stuff. And so they came to me and they said, "We'd love for you to compete in this first gelato uh, competition." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So whatever. And then they came back to me and I said, "You know what? Okay, what the heck? Why not?" So we entered it. And uh, we advanced, kind of like the NCAA's uh, of basketball. They went around the world, and they decided to have these contests all over the world. Um, and the top three from each region would advance to the World Finals. And so we went to the World Finals in Italy, um, and they had 24 of the top gelato makers from all over the world. Um, majority of them were Italian uh, that were living in foreign countries. It's kind of funny. Um, and so we went over there, and I was going to take my peanut butter and Nutella, and that's what I advanced with. Um, but Italians don't like peanut butter. You know, peanuts are to be fed to uh, pigs. They don't feed it. They don't eat peanut butter. It's a weird thing if you think about it. Um, they love pistachio. They love hazelnut. They love walnut. They love almond, but no peanuts. Um, and so I came up with another flavor. It was uh, 
just going forward again, just saying, you know, how do I stand out? Um, and I'm from Texas, and I was the only American going to be there. So I decided to make uh, what we're known for um, is our pecans, uh, using native pecans. And I came up with a Texas pecan pie. Um, and uh, Dan Garrison of Garrison's Whiskey was a friend of mine. And so we used uh, his bourbon. And uh, so we also had a, uh, a, car- a, a bourbon whiskey caramel sauce that we top it with. And they loved it. The Italians absolutely loved it. Um, they really don't have anything like that, but they love pecans. It's a different flavor. Um, and so these Texas native pecans, not the big ones, but the smaller ones, were really uh, rich and flavorful. And uh, they voted me fourth out of the 24. Um, the public did. And um, so I came home basically saying, okay, well, the Italians voted me fourth out of 24 in the world. Um, I think that's a great feather in our cap, and I was really proud of it. Um, and made me feel good. Um, and you know, it's just, it's a, that's the pleasure I get. My mother ran cooking schools and I never understood it until I started, uh, working in the food industry. Um, a lot of people look at sales. A lot of people look at making money, but when you start uh, hanging out or you're working with or working for or delivering to, um, some really well known and experienced chefs and they congratulate you on, on a great product. That's the, that's the uh, reward, and and there's no plaque on the wall or anything else. And we were lucky to get it again this last week. I ran into the guys who do all the Formula One, all the all the uh, guys who take care of the chefs. They're like loving our product. They said this is awesome. This is great. Congratulations. And I'm like, well, thank you. So it's really nice. So so you're so there's Teo Gelato on restaurant menus in Austin. In Austin, there's some a lot of restaurants that use us. And then you have a scoop shop in Austin, a coffee shop. Yep, we have a scoop shop uh, slash coffee shop, and it's right across from uh, Seton Hospital on 38th Street in Lamar. So it's been there for 15, almost 16 years. So when do we get when do we get a scoop shop? <laughs> when you're going to run it for me, because I'm having to go to Austin and Houston and San Antonio to help with with the rollout of, of Teo Gelato and pints to all the HEBs. Nobody nobody wants me to run their restaurant. I mean, <laughs> ask ask anyone around town; they they will tell you they. They want me on my side of the keyboard. <laughs> so, so, no, never? No, 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 never, 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 never. We're just focusing right now on rolling it out to all the HEBs and, and getting the ed- everybody educated um, and letting them know about uh, who we are and what we have. Um, running a retail shop is uh, a lot of time and effort. Um, and so, unfortunately, I'm kind of um, – uh, if I, if I were a mom, I'd be known as a tiger mom, I guess, you know, um, I'm kind of one of the, I'm a tiger gelato dad. I guess you called me that. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I, I was at an HEB recently and I walked the, the frozen food aisle or the, the ice cream aisle just to look and see kind of what you're up against. I mean, there's some really good stuff coming into Texas these days. I mean, I, I saw gelato fiasco that, that I've had in Maine and I really like, and mm-hmm. there's, Jenny's Splendid from, mm-hmm. that I had in Atlanta. I'm not sure exactly if that's where They're it's from. They're from Ohio. Oh, okay. Well, it's, I mean, no disrespect. Like, because I, yeah. I really like your product. That is also really good. And then, you know, all the classics that people love, Ben & Jerry's, Haagen-Dazs, whatever, whatever. Yeah, there's a ton of competition out there. So what I can say, uh, Jenny's is made by Smith's Dairy. They don't even make their own product. It's co-packed. Um, so a lot of fiasco does make their own product. Um I can just say that 
uh, I can talk about how great we are, but being voted fourth in the world by the Italians, best in North America in Chicago competition, Quest for Texas best, um, and the accolades that we've gotten, um, third party endorsements, it's, it, it, I think says a lot. Right. So how do you how do you make the consumers aware of that? Are you doing tastings in grocery stores? Or you, I mean, like, what are you our, what are you doing to get the word out? Get it in their mouths. So our role is to get it in their mouths, um, let everybody sample it and try it, let them know about it. Um, we do a lot of demos in stores. Um, we were going to a lot of different events. Um, you'll see us at, in Houston at a lot of different. Uh, we weren't at the Greek Fest or Italian Fest, but we'll probably be there next year. But just get into all these festivals and let people know who we are, what we're about, uh, where they can get it. Um, and it's you know we don't have the marketing dollars and prowess of of Unilever, um, of uh, the of the other guys out there, the bigger guys. Uh, the Blue Bell has a you know a long tradition, a long name, uh, or a great uh, long history. Um, and but there, I think people are looking for an artisan, handmade. Um, quality product, um, as if they're making it themselves in their own home, and that's our that's what my focus is. Very good. Uh, well, Matthew, I have to say that brings me to the end of my questions. Unless there's some aspect of this that that I have not explored with you that you would like to discuss. You know, I would I would just uh, say that people think gelato is more expensive than ice cream, and uh, I think you got to look at the ingredients and you got to look at who's making it and how they're making it. Um, and if you're truly making gelato the way the Italians invented it back in the 1600s, the traditional ways, it is a far superior product to ice cream um, because it just tastes better and um, it, it just is warmer in your mouth. Um, it's not as heavy um, and it's just much more satisfying. We have a slogan, happiness handmade, um, and our product is handmade. We start from scratch, from making our base all the way to the flavorings, to packing it. Um, so it truly is. And the price point is amazing um, for what it is. Um, and so I think that, you know, for anybody out there who might be listening to this, I would say go try it. Um, we have the vanilla to the chocolate made with Calvo chocolate um, all the way to the crazy flavor of goat cheese and cherry. Um, and when every time people said, I would never have tried that, but I'm dying for it. And I was told this yesterday by a grocery manager that their mom who's back in Atlanta has asked her son to ship her some goat cheese and cherry gelato because she can't get it in Atlanta yet. Yet. TBA on that. Exactly. All right. Well, I always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Okay. All right. Matthew Lee, what is your favorite ingredient? Uh, God Almighty, you know, uh, for ice cream or just to eat in general? It's a it's an open ended question. Uh, water, um, you know, basil, <laughs> uh, uh, fresh herbs. Fair, fair enough. It's the first band you ever saw in concert. Oh, Super Tramp. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Fast food? Well, in Austin, um, where I am, uh, Pete Terry's Burgers. You're, you're a Houstonian. You're, you're a native Houstonian. James Coney Island. Oh, good answer. The JCI. Uh, and so also that leads me to 
Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? You know, unfortunately, this is a couple days after the loss to Boston. But I was an Astro buddy, um, so I was always an Astros fan. Um, and I remember all the great, uh, from Earl Campbell, all the great uh, athletes like that. But I think that, you know, what sticks out in my mind right now is Altuve with his attitude. Um, just this, just the go get them positive, uh, never say never, and just keep on going. Um, that their team uh, unfortunately didn't end up that well, but they've got a great attitude, and I think that this will this next year they'll probably be on fire. Yeah, and then finally, where's your favorite place to get a taco? And I will stipulate that this does not have to be in Houston. Uh, actually, uh, Mexico City. We just went there for spring break, and we had some great street tacos. Awesome. Matthew Lee, thanks so much. Tell us, uh, tell us how people can follow your work, the website and the Instagram and all that. It's pretty simple. It's uh, www.teogelato.com and hashtag teogelato uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so please follow us. If you have any questions, you can email me at teo at teogelato.com. Um, it's that simple, um, that easy, and simple and good. Awesome. And you can follow me on Twitter at eSandler on Instagram at Eric Sandler. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on both the Apple Podcast Store and Google Play. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.